All right. So welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus, your host. And today I have the great honor and pleasure of interviewing astrologer Emily Trinkus. I'm going to talk about her in just a moment. But first, I want to say thank you to the patrons who support the show. And thank you all for those of you that are here in person. It's really exciting to have an audience. And then also thank you to all of you who listen to the podcast. And I hope you share it far and wide with all of your friends. Um, Okay. So, and we'll, we'll have some announcements about classes, upcoming classes and programs. We'll probably, some of them will get integrated into the show and some of them will be at the end. And then I will also put links to whatever we talk about in the show notes on the podcast. So you will be able to um, find out what we're talking about there as well. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do a quick introduction of Emily, and then she gets to tell us more about herself, and then we're going to see how this just flows today. Um, And I I have to say first that Emily is who I learned astrology from, and she's been my mentor, and she's also the one that encouraged me to start this podcast. So I have all of those things to thank her for. I'm very excited about that. Um, Emily began her astrology journey at the age of 13, so she probably beats a lot of us there with astrology, certainly me, Um, and she's been a professional astrologer since 1999. She has written a book called Creating with the Cosmos, which is a fun book um, to, especially if you're into creative endeavors, uh, to take a look at, and I think that's available on her website, and if it's other places, you can tell us where. And uh, she's also written pretty extensively for the Mountain Astrologer, which is a great publication if you're into um, astro publications. And one of the things that I love about Emily's approach to astrology is that there's a lot of compassion in it. And I would say that, Emily, you approach astrology as a healing art. We're going to talk more about that in in the podcast itself in the interview. And that um, Emily's also trained in several healing modalities. And I definitely want to hear a little bit about that. So I am going to unmute Emily. Should get that. And then, and then, yay. Okay. So if there's anything else you want to add about your introduction, please do. And then otherwise we're going to like launch right in. Well, as you were talking, I realized that since I just turned 53, that I've been on this journey with astrology for 40 years, which is crazy. Um, But anyway, that was my little light bulb there. And yeah, thank you for that introduction. And it it makes me so happy that that you're doing this podcast now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you and I think it'll just be fun. So yeah, wherever you want to go. Well, I wanted to start, um, I thought I'd start with just like, how did you get into it at age 13? What attracted you to astrology? And then maybe it's part of the same question, what sort of kept you so engrossed in it that you made a career out of it? Because I know you had other ideas about career at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my high school guidance counselor did not recommend becoming an astrologer. And I didn't even know that that was a possibility at that time. So I initially was going to be a high school English teacher. 
And um, fortunately, I had two friends who went on that path ahead of me, and I got to see what that might look like in real life. And I realized that wasn't for me, but then I was gonna be an academic and was in a PhD program. And I always wanted to teach and write, um, but that ended up not being my beautiful life. So when I was 13, I read Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, which people of a certain age will recognize that that book. Um, I think that was like the first real mainstream breakthrough astrology book in the 70s. And for me, it, like, I read it and, and it just, it just spoke to me, it just made sense, it lit something up in me. And I come from a very non woo background. I'm from the East Coast and a very, you know, intellectual atheist kind of materialist background. So this was not part of my normal field. But something in it spoke to me and you know and my mom is here hi mom and i want to really um honor my mom for she always bought me astrology calendars you know when she knew i was into astrology she'd buy me the llewellyn calendar every year and i think you know maybe she thought it was cute that i was into astrology but but always encouraged me and didn't you know make fun of me for it or anything but it was i think there was something about giving order to chaos like a, a, a way of organizing the world that my Virgo-ness appreciated. And also, I think, you know, being very Virgo, I can have a tendency or had a tendency to be more judgmental or critical or think, what's wrong with those people? Why are they like that? And there was something about just, you know, and as anyone who gets into astrology knows that sun signs are like, you're barely scratching the surface of what astrology is actually about. But even that gave me a way to understand and accept other people. So I could just, you know, look at my Capricorn sister and be like, oh, there she is being a Capricorn or my Aries mom, oh, she's being an Aries, you know, or here I am being a Virgo. So a way to have more acceptance and, um, and understanding of the world. And I wanna say that I think a lot of people probably self-included, go into astrology because we want to have a sense of control. And so that understanding, you know, what's going to happen and who are these people and let me figure it out. And what actually happened, at least for me, was that astrology opened me up to more of the mystery because the more you get into astrology, the more freaking mind-blowing, trippy, blah, um, it is. And, and so I think at a deeper level, my connection to astrology was about opening me to something beyond the materialist 3D, you know, this is what you see is what you get. That's all there is to the world, that kind of limited perspective. Astrology gave me this kind of line to this much bigger perspective. And, you know, because what it comes down to is if astrology works, and that's, you know, uh, being very earthly and practical, that's what I loved about it. it. It seemed to work. I don't, I didn't know why. I still don't know why. I don't really care why, but it works. It's practical, right? Um, but if it works, then we live in a very magical, miraculous, wild, mysterious multiverse. And so for me, astrology really helped open me up to that much bigger perspective. Um, 
and in terms of my trajectory, I, as I said, I, I was going to be an academic. I was on that path. Astrology was my secret passion. And over the years, I accumulated more books beyond just Linda Goodman's Sun Signs and started learning about other planets. And I had a best friend in high school who was also into astrology. And we would secretly, you know, try to get the birth dates of the boys we had crushes on and look at their charts, you know, got very adept at finding out birth times of, of people. Um, so it was just like something I did secretly and was always very passionate about it, but also kept it quite hidden. And then when I was in my Saturn return after dropping out of grad school and being kind of lost and not knowing who I wanted to be in the world, I ended up back in New York City, which was my birthplace, although I didn't grow up there. Um, and for the first time took an astrology class and that just really brought it all together. And in my Saturn return, which for those who don't know, that was it's around age 29, um, I just was on fire with astrology and scouring the bookstores to find astrology books and geeking out with friends who are also into it. And at that point, I started doing readings for friends um, and I, I, you know, friends who had no interest in astrology, but I'd say, I, I need to practice. I'm going to, I'm going to do a reading for you. I don't care if you, you know, you don't have to believe in it. I just need practice. And friends started telling friends. And then I thought, oh shit, now I have to charge money. Um, I think I charged $40 for my first astrology reading and was completely, you know, mortified by the process. Um, but so it grew very organically. And over the years, I had, you know, different part-time jobs up until probably the, you know, early 2000s when I could start, you know, making a living. Um, but also during my Saturn return, that's when I started studying um, the first healing modality I studied was polarity therapy. And I had, um, as a kid, I was very sickly. I had all kinds of illnesses in and out of the hospital. Um, so I got interested in natural healing when I was 19. I actually went to my first naturopath when I was 19 and kind of gave up on the allopathic model because it was not working for me. Um, so I started studying nutrition and herbs and then got into energy medicine during my Saturn return. And I think that was really helpful in terms of my astrology practice because it it gave me some training in terms of how to work with clients, but also there's something about the, um, it, at least the, well, I think in general with energy medicine, there's a sense that whatever's happening is perfect. The, the body knows what it's doing, right? There's no mistakes, there's no problems, there's nothing wrong. And there's this multidimensional perspective that that something's being worked out. And that really helped me as an astrologer to cultivate that perspective, because in terms of working with astrology as a healing art, it's not about looking at a chart and saying, oh, this is good. Oh, that's bad. Oh, this time is good. Oh, this time is bad. You know, that, that to me is completely not helpful and and promotes a kind of victim consciousness that we're victims of the stars or victims of our charts or victims of life. Um, but instead to see it as it's all perfect, it's all there for a reason. 
and there's a way to work with the energy and also just seeing the chart as a map of energy, which it is. Um, astrology is um, an amazing tool for giving language to the energetic patterns. And I, you know, I have friends who are psychic who can just, you know, look at someone, read the energy, spew it out. I'm kind of jealous. I need the map. Astrology for me gives me that map of energy to be able to, um, you know, basically bring the the patterns that are maybe more hidden or less conscious into greater awareness and give us a way to understand and work with them. Um, that's a very long answer to your question. <laughs> that's perfect, though, because yeah. you answered about three of the questions I had for you. So, but I wanted to call attention to a couple of the things you said, because they make so much sense. And they're also things that I've realized in my astrology journey. And for people who are newer to it or aren't, um, you know, professional astrologers, that whole thing about seeing it as a way to organize the world, but then also, and get kind of a sense of control because, you know, we all look for the predictive techniques, you know, what's going to happen to me next day, next week or next year, but also learning. Um, one of the things I've loved about astrology is that polarity, you know, that all the signs work in polarity with the opposite sign. And so your Virgo-ness, as you get more conscious about those Virgo aspects of yourself, as you said, you've also been integrating Pisces. And I think that's one of the gifts that astrology has given us is that ability to see, as you said, the bigger picture and to find that balance. And then, um, but the other, oh, go ahead. Well, that's just, and, and what a perfect time to bring up the Virgo Pisces polarity as we're coming into the Pisces full moon with the sun and Virgo opposite the moon in Pisces. But because Pisces is about the mystery and the unknown and, and you know, Virgo wants to know so I can figure it out and have control and, and Pisces is, there's a, you know, and, and as we know with astrology, we can look at an upcoming influence and say, Oh, I get some ideas like, oh, I, I, this could show up this way or this way. And then what actually happens is something completely different, but totally perfect. That totally fits the energy, but in a way that we could not have conceptualized at all. So just there's a, a humbling aspect too, I think, with astrology, with that, I feel like it's been an apprenticeship to the mystery um, and and has humbled my my ego and my my little mind that thinks it knows so much yeah and i think you know it's fun i love that you said too that it, you, your first one of your first sort of teachings out of astrology is that it helped and just with the sun signs book was to learn to accept other people as they are because especially when you start looking at an entire chart and you see the sun and the moon and all the different planets and the ascendant. And, and of course, as astrologers, we can see a lot of those aspects in these people that we, we know, and that we meet um, that acceptance of how unique every single person is such a unique blend of the energies. And even I think what you call time twins, people that are born at the exact same moment, even in maybe in the same hospital, still there's so much variation in how any particular energetic signature can show up in real life. And so 
maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about that choice fate versus um choice kind of thing that everybody gets into with astrology and it, and I just want to say one more thing and I'll sh shut up and let you talk about it but I've had and I think I wrote a blog post about this recently is that I've had people say oh I'm kind of interested but I'm afraid to get a reading because I'm afraid of what you'll tell me and so I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about that Yeah. Okay. So the first, I want to come back to what you said about the uniqueness of the chart, because this has been another very helpful thing about astrology for me personally. Um, in addition to having a lot of Virgo, I also have a lot of Libra. And one of the places that Libra can go is comparison. And, you know, there's that phrase compare and despair, which, um, <laughs> which I did a lot of. And getting into astrology, you see there is you can't compare yourself to anyone. I mean, it can be so easy. And I think our culture is kind of a kind of set up to compare, right? Look at those beautiful people leading their or on social media, everyone's happy and shiny. And what's wrong with me? Um, and when you get into astrology and see that everyone is on a radically unique path and it, it's, it's like apples and oranges, there's absolutely nothing to compare. Everyone's I mean, even at a, at a soul level, you know, and, and that's where I think um, coming in with the same chart, you mentioned time twins, and there are, you know, actual twins too. And you probably know some examples yourself, and I certainly do. And my, my father was a twin. He, he had a, a twin sister, radically different, right? More or less same chart, radically different. Um, so in addition to the astrological imprint, ultimately how we navigate our chart depends a lot on the level of, or depends entirely on the level of consciousness we come in with. So you can have two people coming in at the exact same time being imprinted with that same field of astrological energies, but they're coming from very different places as souls. So they're going to express those energies differently. So you can't even compare two people with the same chart to each other. They're on their own journeys and they're gonna express those archetypes in, in different ways. And it's pretty fascinating to look at twins and see how, or, and, or time twins and see how those energies play out. Okay, um, oh, the, the fate, fate, free will, that, that question. Um, I, I love something that I heard uh, the astrologer Rick Levine say, which is, um, I mean, ultimately we, we don't know, right? So I can think I'm, I'm exerting my free will and creating my life as, you know, the creator goddess I am. Who knows? Maybe it was all scripted ahead of time for me to make those choices or take those actions. I don't know. So I think ultimately we don't know. However, and this is what Rick Levine had to say, um, I think it's, it's good to go with the assumption that we do have free will to operate from that place, from that belief that we do have free will. Um, again, who knows? That's, I think that's part of the mystery, you know? And, you know, something else that I heard, and I can't remember who I heard, some spiritual teacher said this, but that every, everything is scripted ahead of time. Everything that's going to happen is already laid out, but where we have choice and free will is how we respond to what's happening. We always have a choice of how to respond 
internally. And I think that's where a lot of our free will comes. I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe we don't have any choice in terms of what actually unfolds in our lives. I don't know, but I always have the choice of, am I gonna see myself as a victim of fate? Um, and poor me that this is happening to me, or am I gonna see myself, am I gonna see it as here I am? Let's see how I can, how I can work with what's showing up next. Right. So that's where I think the free will really comes in. Yeah. And maybe, um, maybe say a couple things about that in terms of how you approach readings with people, because, you know, I've been listening to you and studying with you now for what, five years, if you can believe that. Um, and I think, um, I think what happens is people, you know, that fear about readings, and we see it even in astrology classes, right? People come and then they start thinking, moaning about this terrible transit that's coming up and how awful it can be. But I know that your approach is not, and you've, you've kind of talked about that, but maybe a couple of good examples about how you would work with a client or how you talk to people when they come to you and you know that there's a challenging period coming up, but how not to make that into some evil terror that I have no control over. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming back to that question about fear because I had, uh, I went off on a different tangent. Um, I think the, the number one thing that people actually get from astrology readings is validation. So I, I don't see my job as telling people something they don't already know, but validating something that they, they know within themselves but maybe have been afraid to acknowledge. And, and I wanna talk about this in a couple of ways. One of them, just in terms of the birth chart, you know, someone might have this deep longing or, oh, I've always wanted to be a musician, but, no, I can't, that's, I can't do that. That's not me or, or, you know, have some a certain longing or desire. And then for a complete stranger to look at, you know, a bunch of symbols and say, Hey, are, do you play music? Or is that, you know, I see you've got some, you know, natural musical talent. I think that'd be a really great direction. <gasps> you know, oh, validation for something that, you know, is within me that I was afraid to bring forth. That can be part of it. Um, in terms of what's happening now, and, and as we know, astrology is an incredible navigational tool. And this is another way that it's just, I don't, I say over and I don't know where I would be without astrology, because in terms of understanding what's, what's unfolding, and essentially astrology tells us what time is it, right? Is it time to push forward and take risks and go for it? Or is it time to lay low and surrender and let go, right? Um, incredibly helpful. And I think most of the time people know, people know intuitively what time it is, but we've been so taught to discount our intuition. And also we're in a culture that is very, um, you know, for lack of a better word, masculine or with this orientation where it's always about the pushing forward and the progress and go, go, go. And you need your five-year plan. And if you don't know what you're doing, there's something wrong with you. And right. And so when people find themselves in a place that's very different from that, let's say a big Neptune transit, for example, where you're in the mystery and there's letting go and I don't know who I am or what I'm here for. And I just need to take a nap. Um, 
they're already feeling that. And then they go to an astrologer and the astrologer says, hey, you're in this three year time period where you're in the mystery. You, you, you know what? If, if you said you knew what you were doing right now, you would be delusional. You'd be making it up. So, so really, it's just about validating where people are already at. They already know it. But astrology, as we know, is so awesome because it gives it a, a time period, right? No, this is not the rest of your life. No, there's nothing wrong with you. This too shall pass. This is just the, what time it is. And so it, astrology, I think the greatest gift of astrology in terms of the, the current influences is to give meaning to this time, to, to give understanding and purpose Right. So if if I see that someone's in going through a really hard transit or influence like a, a Pluto journey, which is a death and rebirth, they're already feeling it. They're already suffering. But with the perspective of astrology, the, there's a purpose to it. There's there's a reason and there and and there's an end date. And there's also a it's understanding what is the transformation, what is the change that's being called for so we can work with it productively. Um, and I think a lot of the fear factor comes in because of how astrology has been utilized as a more, um, you know, from, from victim consciousness, from a, a place of, of powerlessness where here comes Pluto, you're fucked, you know, you, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You're a victim of the stars and the next three years are just going to suck. Have fun with that. You know, more of a, I don't know, uh, you know, astrology has such interesting roots, right? Because there is, we, we have a legacy of prediction where the astrologer basically, you know, worked for the king or the emperor you know, tell me what's going to happen. Are we going to win this war or, or not? And, you know, and where it was all about what's, what's going to happen. And, you know, and, and we're in a very different consciousness. That's, I don't find that useful. I mean, one, as we said, we might have ideas about how something might unfold, but we don't know. Astrology is great at predicting the energies and the archetypes, but not the outcomes, not the actual events. Um, and, and I think astrology is best used as a more psychological tool, again, for, for understanding, for giving meaning, for giving purpose, and for helping people understand how they can respond productively and, and work with the energies that are present. Yeah. And as somebody undergoing a very personal Pluto transit, I absolutely agree with everything you just said about it, the, the helpfulness being in the meaning and the timing both. Yeah. Um, so one of the, this is maybe a little bit of a um, transition, but one of the things I really wanted to ask too, or just, yeah, kind of talk about a little bit is that, you know, this podcast is so much about remembering ourselves as nature and learning to like recognize nature within us and let it recognize ourselves in the natural world. And to me, um, astrology, and 
I mean, I know that for some people, the astrology as nature is, you know, we think of nature as trees and plants and herbalism and all that, which it obviously is, or sorry, I didn't, did I just say astrology as that? Yeah. What I meant was uh, we think of nature as trees and plants and all that. And, but astrology, of course, is the sun and the moon and the planets. And I did talk in my first couple of episodes about the cycles of the sun and how to align our daily lives with nature through the cycles of the sun and how to align our our lives through the seasons and as, as relating to the sun's path, you know, perceived path around us. But I wonder if you could talk um, a little bit, because I know this is also how you think about kind of the bigger picture of astrology and how that relates to how we can really align our lives with the natural world and support our, I mean, obviously physical health, but as you say, also psychological and spiritual and mental health through astrology, through that natural connection. Yeah. um, I mean, you know, for those who are newer to astrology, I think it's helpful to think about sun signs as seasons, right? At least in the tropical zodiac. So here we are in Virgo season. We're coming to the end of Virgo season, the sun in Virgo. It's harvest time, right? And so people who are born in the Virgo season have that busy, busy, got it. You know, we got to have proper timing and work hard. And there's, you know, stuff to sort and sift through. And right. So we embody that energy of the season. And as we're in this season, hey, it's time to do those things, right? Um, before Virgo season was Leo season. Hey, that's time to bask in the sun like a big lazy lion. You know, summer fun, celebrate, chill out. Um, I'm not saying Leos are lazy. I know plenty of productive Leos, but you get my point. Um, And so I I find it, it's almost hard for me to address the, um, the, the sort of confusion around astrology being about nature, um, because I think about our ancestors, right, who before they were looking at television at night, they were watching the sky at night and and had this very intimate relationship with the stars and with the planets. And in certain cultures, you know, when, you know, Sirius rose or when the Pleiades rose in the sky, you know, based on different star systems, their agriculture had a lot to do with what was happening in the sky. Or I also think about a a friend I had um, who's from Somalia and he grew up in a nomadic culture. And there was an astrologer in, in the tribe and so the astrologer would look up and say, oh, drought is coming. We need to move, you know, move the, the herds over here, right? Oh, war is coming. <laughs> this is, right? So it, like that intimacy, just as people um, have had so much more intimacy with the plants and knew, okay, which plants to, to eat and which, which were going to, you know, heal this or heal that. Um, they also had that same intimacy with the sky. The sky is just part of the natural world. And of course, now in so many places, we can't even see the stars. Um, so we've lost that intimacy with the night sky and, and lost that ability to kind of read nature through, um, through 
through looking up. Um, in terms of aligning with rhythms and just, you know, for our own health and, and healing, I've really found the moon to be such a, an, an easy and accessible way to work with astrology um, because the moon thankfully is visible in most places where and and it goes through this very um regular rhythm of new moon to full moon you know waxing and then waning and back to new moon and the moon is very much connected with our bodies you know the the moon rules the tides and of course humans are made up of mostly water so we tend to feel the lunar cycle very strongly and you know at the new moon the dark of the moon we tend to be really low energy you know don't plan a party at the new moon right no one's going to want to leave their house plan a party at the full moon that's when we feel you know high energy and we feel like socializing maybe not this full moon since it's in pisces and neptunian and we might just want to cry and sleep and retreat um but, but that simple lunar cycle in terms of how we um, care for ourselves and also um, it just in terms of planning, you know, if, if I wanna start something new, I'm gonna do it when the moon is waxing, when there's that energy of building. If I wanna let go of something or release something from my life, I'm gonna do it after the full moon when the energy is waning. So that's just a, a super, you know, you don't even have to know anything about astrology. You can just, you know, follow the lunar cycle, waxing, waning, full, new, and work with that. Very simple and very effective. And, you know, as you know, and I know you know a lot more about medical astrology than I do, but the moon is huge in medical astrology, right? Around timing and when things come to a head and when not to have surgery and, and all of those things. So that's, yeah. That's yeah, that's perfect. No, that's perfect because, I, and that was one of the questions too, is, I mean, you know, for those of us that are really kind of geeky about it, and of course, those of us who are professionals, we can get an app for our phone. Well, anybody can get a free app for their phone. Um, and you can look things up on the internet, obviously. But I, you know, one of my questions was going to be, how can somebody just start? And that was, that's perfect, right? Just watching the moon and even just noticing your energy, right? Every day or what, what, what your own energy, are you feeling better when the moon is big or are you feeling better when the moon is rising in a certain place in the sky or that sort of thing, or, you know, the new moons and full moons in each sign are going to be at relatively the same time of year. So, you know, is the Pisces full moon something that always flattens me? you know, or is it the Leo full moon that usually flattens me, you know, and, and maybe that sort of thing. But I wonder, um, well, two questions. One is, is there another, you know, besides that, is there another way that you would recommend people getting started that are new to it, or even people that have been around it for a long time, like ways to connect with the sky? And then I also want you to talk about your lunar attunement series, because I think yeah. it's a wonderful way for people to get started and, and learn some things about astrology. And I know it's starting up soon. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to say, and this is something that came in for me much later in my astro journey, it really started to come in for me 
um, maybe 10, yeah, maybe about 10 years ago, which is to have a more direct relationship with the sky. And, and this started for me when I got really interested in Venus and started working a lot with Venus because Venus, like the moon, does tend to be a pretty easy planet to see and, and to track, right? Um, and so, and, and, and this is drawing a lot from the work of Daniel Giamario and shamanic astrology. Um, I really, you know, have so much respect for that um, mystery school for that paradigm of astrology, which does really encourage a direct relationship with the sky, which again is going back to how our ancestors worked with astrology. It was not about a bunch of symbols and squiggles on a piece of paper. It was about a direct relationship with the sky. So when I started working with Venus, I would go out, you know, when Venus was visible and, and for those of you who don't don't know Venus so intimately. Venus shows up either just before sunrise or after sunset. She's a morning star or an evening star. So pretty easy to go, you know, okay, the sun's rising in the east. I go, to, you know, go look east and there's Venus or sunsets in the west. Venus is going to be over there. Pretty, pretty easy. And and I would just go out and and just be with Venus and and open myself and just, you know, be in a place of receptivity. And even, you know, I lived in the Pacific Northwest for years when nothing is so visible in the sky a lot of times because of the fog and clouds and all of that. But, but if I knew, you know, where Venus was, even if I didn't see her, I would still just be present and feel and, and open and had some really profound experiences. So, so I think, you know, in terms of getting started with astrology or even for those who are who already know a lot about astrology and you know decipher the symbols and all of that i really encourage a direct relationship with the sky and and to, so to receive information in a different way like that's not just about the you know oh well reading all the books to see what does this person say about venus what does this person say but what does venus have to say to you Right. And and so, again, it's more like feminine approach, more embodied approach and more heart centered feeling approach versus, you know, and and again, the, the, my my tendency, my Virgo in and Gemini rising tendency is to be very mental. And and I was much more mentally oriented toward astrology for most of my time with it until, like I said, more recently. Um, but that's been a tremendous gift to really employ more of that intuitive approach and direct approach. And in a sense, I think it's about cultivating relationship, right? Cultivating relationship and intimacy with the planets themselves instead of I'm going to figure out something smart to think about it or say about it. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my pitch for going outside and looking up. And seeing what's what or who speaks to you, you know, maybe you're drawn to Orion or the Pleiades, or you know, seeing what what draws you and what calls you. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll mention I'm I do recordings for every new and full moon, which I offer in the gift, meaning you're you can pay what you want, including pay nothing for them. And and to me, that's a lot about the. I think 
part of my forte as an astrologer has been what are the current energies? How can we work with them? How can we co-create and align with them? So that's what my new and full moon calls are about. And then I also offer a, a six month subscription and the next one is gonna start in about two weeks with the next new moon. And for people who sign up for the subscription, they, they automatically get all the new and full moon calls. And then I also do a monthly uh, live stream on Zoom where people can ask questions or just talk about how things are showing up in their own lives. And those have been incredibly um, nourishing and inspiring for me because there are so many wise and beautiful humans who share their wisdom. So I, I learn a lot from everyone there. And then it's also just fascinating to see how astrology is showing up in people's real lives. And this is, you know, something I, I another reason I love astrology or another thing I've, it's really done for me, I think it's about connection, right? It's, it's not only is there a connection between what's happening way up there and what's happening here on earth, but also, you know, one of the, the main pieces of feedback I get from people for my moon calls is, oh, I thought it was just me, or I thought I was going crazy. No, it's not just you. We're all in the field. We're all in the field of this energy. We are not alone, isolated, separate. You know, again, this is um, this is what our culture tells us that that we're these isolated, separate beings, all on our own crazy journey that you know has nothing to do with what anyone else is going through. And then when you tune into what's happening astrologically, you find. No, we're, we're all in the soup together. And to me, that's very reassuring and, and comforting and, and very healing, I think, not, you know, to take us out of isolation. And, and that's been a great gift of astrology for me, out of the isolation of we're all alone here on planet Earth and there's nothing out there and we're, you know, um, and yeah, and that we're all separate from each other. That's, that's not true in my experience. Yeah, I love that part because it, it yeah, it kind of goes back a little bit to the validation that you were talking about of getting a reading is, is that it not just validating what I'm feeling, but also that a lot of us are feeling the same thing. And we could talk about, um, well, I want to, I'm going, my mind just went two different places. I thought, you know, you could do a quick, um, like, I don't just a quick preview of what your full moon call is talking about. Cause that you'll, you'll get that out today or tomorrow. I assume the recording, right? Yeah. But then the other thing, the other thing that came immediately to my mind is that we're all seeing and feeling the energy of, for instance, the Saturn Uranus square this year, that tension between freedom and restriction and the fact that, yeah. And I mean, it's not like one clean, energy there's because the signs are so alternate too so i don't know if you want to talk briefly about that and talk briefly about the full moon and then it'll be about time to wrap up <laughs> so when you, i'll let you just take that wherever you want to take it yeah well and something i want to say about about any um the current influence is that they always operate on multiple levels right so if we think about the saturn uranus square so this is, um, which is, you know, the, the astro headline of the year, these two slow moving planets in this angle of tension with one another. Um, 
and on the on one hand we could see we could say okay well saturn planet of restriction uranus planet of freedom okay we have this clash between the two that and certainly we see that playing out and that's one way to think about it um and you know yeah i'll just i'll just say a little bit about about that that influence that you know what this is really saying is this is a time of radical change and it's it, it's a it's a time to break free from the status quo and from the old systems and the old structures um and we can either you know feel victimized by that like oh my god the systems are breaking down and ah what am i gonna do and ah what's gonna happen next let me just you know get smaller and smaller in, in my little, you know, hideaway and wait for the shit to come down or whatever. Or we can take our authority, Saturn, to, to initiate change, Uranus, and say, okay, this is a time when we're ready to be free from the old systems, which let's be honest, we're not working anyway, and we're not, not working well for vast numbers of people or for the earth. So it's it's time to take our authority to initiate change and to get creative and innovative and radical. And I think we're seeing, um, you know, with Uranus being in Taurus, um, so Uranus planet of um, radical change and technology and extremes um, and innovation in Taurus, the sign of the earth and agriculture and the, the physical body. So on the one hand, we have a, a, a global experiment going on with um, <laughs> giving humans a, a, an injection that's never before been given to humans and you know, some kind of mad scientist energy going on here. Um, and so altering the, the physical body and, and there's also you know, increasing um technology being applied to agriculture with genetically modified foods and you know those kinds of things happening on the one hand on the other hand there's this whole back to the land movement and people wanting to become or starting to become radically self-reliant tourists and and getting extreme in their relationship with the earth or what looks extreme based on where the culture has been in our we've had a, an extreme disconnection from the earth. I mean, I, I remember um, maybe you've seen this too, but Barbara Kingsolver, who's done so much in terms of the kind of you know back to the land and local food movement, talking about bringing a group of elementary kids to a garden, and and the kids were like grossed out that food came from dirt like that vegetables came from dirt, like this is how disconnected we are from the land, right? So Uranus and Taurus waking people up to, wait a minute, we need to reconnect with the earth and reconnect with our bodies and, um, and reconnect with the natural world in a way that might look extreme to, you know, conventional culture, but is actually going back to how humans have lived for thousands of years so there's yeah both happening and and so we can again we can be victims of the the changes or we can be initiators and creators and hopefully even have some fun with that um as 
as that's what this time is about. Um, in terms of the the full moon, and I did I did my recording yesterday and sent that out to the subscribers yesterday, and I'll get it out to my generalist today. Um, this is a it's a pretty extreme full moon because it's happening at the very end of Pisces, which is the last sign of the zodiac, and so when there's an activation of the very end of the zodiac, there's a sense of things coming to an end. It's a huge release. Um, it's a time to let go. It's a time to surrender. And this is the last lunation before equinox. We have fall equinox coming up on the 22nd next, I think that's next Wednesday, maybe, um, which is a big turning point in the wheel of the year. Um, and and so this full moon happening just before equinox is like, what do we need to shed? What do we need to release before we enter this new season? Um, and in my full moon call, I go a lot into the, the equinox energy is pretty interesting. Something I'll say about, you know, what we're coming into or where we're at astrologically is we're in a ton of retrograde energy. Right now we have five planets retrograde and then Mercury is about to go retrograde. We're already in that vibe. And retrograde is all about um, turning inward is part of it. So there's there's a, a kind of retreat energy happening, a kind of hibernation and wait, I need to go back in and, and reflect and rethink and reconsider all the, the rewords apply with retrogrades. But also there's this sense that you know, for the rest of the year, there's not a lot of new stuff coming in. Like what wh what's on our plate is what's on our plate. And, and this is a period of, you know, integrating, synthesizing, reworking, you know, re reconfiguring, but there's not a lot of like brand new stuff that's gonna come in, um, especially for the next, Say, you know, month or so, but I think even for the rest of the year, because we're going to come into a Venus retrograde um, starting in November, right? And that's that's a pretty rare retrograde, so it's a, a very big deal. So this is a time of really working with what what's already been presented, and working with and reworking with what's already been presented, and also, as I said, like a kind of synthesizing, integrating. And here we are at the end of Virgo season, Virgo rules the digestive system. I think this full moon, there's a lot to digest, um, both in terms of collective energies and Pisces really points to that, you know, full moon in Pisces sensitizes us even more to the collective field. So we can be really feeling a lot of, you know, the suffering on the planet and the fear on the planet. And then our our digestive systems, you know, uh, literal and metaphorical, are trying to digest these energies. There's a lot to digest. And then just in terms of our own lives, I know everyone's gone through a lot of change this past year and a half, and a lot of what the you know what the fuckness and all of that. So much to digest. And you know, as some of you know, I last week I was sick with a, a kind of stomach flu, you know, and I think it was. I can't digest this, or what am I not digesting? This is, it's hard to really process this, right? So this is a great full moon to rest and rest and digest and really give ourselves a break um, and release and retreat and just, you know, really see what's, what's not serving me, what's not nourishing me, what, 
what needs to go um, and to be very, very gentle with ourselves and very compassionate towards ourselves because there's there's a lot, a lot to work with here. I got it. I have to jump in because, um, yeah, it, if I'd had, if I'd really had my act together, or maybe I do, but it's, I would have had, um, I'm, I'm offering a fall reset, which is, a, I call it a cleanse, but usually that word scares people off. But the whole point is to just back off, um, eat a lighter diet, rest more for, in this case, I'm just offering it for about a four day period and it starts October 7th. But that is from an Ayurvedic standpoint, this transition of the seasons, whether you're in the Northern or Southern hemisphere is exactly the time when you would do exactly what you're talking about, sort of clear out and give yourself a break because at least here in our part of the world, we're coming off all that crazy go, go, go energy of the summer, you know, of Leo season, especially, and then Virgo, the, you know, the, the other part of go, go, go. And, um, it is just a time to sort of reset and give our digestive systems a rest and a chance to kind of reboot. And uh, I, this is part of the reason people get sick at spring and fall, this juncture of the seasons is because they don't allow that space to clear out in this case, the heat of the summer or the heaviness of winter, if you're coming into spring. And uh, yeah, so I, I have to completely second what you said about this is a really good time to just take a break, you know, do a little bit of extra rest, maybe eat less or eat a really light, easy to digest diet. And if you want to join the, the group thing that starts October 7th, I'll put a link in the show notes, but yeah. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. That that's a great preview too. Yeah. And I was just going to say that that was definitely my, my experience in getting sick was I was in super overdrive for, you know, a couple months, like this summer has just been like moving to a new place and starting all and then I just hit a wall. And I think my body was like, hello, hello, (laughs) Um, little, little balance here. Let's, let's take a pause, take a time out. And, and, you know, as, as I was talking about in the beginning, like, I don't see that as a mistake. I mean, certainly I don't love being in bed with a stomach flu. That's not fun. But I also really, I, I got like, oh, this is what I need. And apparently this is what it takes to get me to stop because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking that initiative on my own. And what it takes to get me to do a detox. I've been knowing for a while, like, oh, I'm not really you know, eating as well as whatever. So, and now I've, I've been doing the Ayurvedic uh, kitchery thing for the past week and that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's my go-to also. Well, I want to, um, I feel like we've covered a ton of ground and it's been about an hour. So I want to, uh, open up for questions and I guess the best way for me to do this, um, is to, let's see. The best way for me to do this is to unmute. Can I do that? I can't unmute everybody. All right. So what I'm going to do is change to the gallery view. There's not so many people. If you want to ask a question, I think uh, the thing you'll have to do is raise your hand and then I'll I'll invite you to unmute. And then, and, or you can, you can try to unmute yourself and then I'll see if 
that gives me a signal and then I'll give you the permission, but otherwise just wave, wave your hands and then we'll take questions. Does that work for you, Emily? Is there anything else you wanted to say before we do that? No, sure. And, and people can also write in the chat if that's yeah. easier as well. Thank you. Yep. Sometimes I need the zoom help. Yep, exactly. So uh, this is your chance. If there's anything you want to say or anything you want to ask, please, um, yeah, use the chat or wave your hands at me and we'll go. Okay, I saw Susan, yay. Okay, let me, you should be able to unmute yourself now. Did that work? I didn't know you could see me, that's okay. I just saw your hand, you raised your hand and I don't know how you did oh, it. I, oh, that's Susan, that's not me. Uh, the oh. other Susan. That's interesting, both of us said something but I was muted, so I will wait. Okay, <laughs> all right. So Susan, please, Marie, you should be able to unmute yourself. Did it work? Yes, 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 go for it. It says you're unmuted, the other Susan, so you are welcome to ask your question. Okay, and if not, um, we'll go to Susan Camello. And there we go. Now you're okay. on. Okay, all right. <clears throat> well, being heavy duty Pisces, Mine is about feelings, of course. Um, how, <clears throat> how, I don't even know exactly how to ask this, but um, how do you, or I should say me, I don't know, us, like when there's an emotional energy, um, and I know there's all the different levels and everything, but is it, is it helpful to um, feel those things like, like physically, like cry or, I mean, I know it seems like sometimes I just need to cry and then I feel better. Um, but then of course, then I can wallow which doesn't feel good and is not helpful. So <clears throat> I don't know exactly. I, I guess it, it's just everybody's different, I know. But um, sometimes I'm like, God, there's, there's so much. I'm so freaking emotional. I'm like, Jesus. And then I got, of course, Neptune on my son and, and Mars for years now. And I'm just like, which do I feel it? Do I just keep, you know, rising above it? I mean, I guess it's all that stuff. Just whatever you want to say. I don't know exactly. Well, what I yeah, and and I think I I I think I talked about this a bit in the transits class. This idea, and this comes from the late great astrologer Jeff Jower, ritualize. And repress. So, um, what was so that? you want to ritualize and repress. Okay. So sometimes, so so let's with the example of the Neptune transit. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to go into it and cry your eyes out and wallow and 
and find someone you can whine to. I mean, I was doing this the other day with, with, with a good friend of mine in my own Neptune transit and sick and wah, 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 wah. Sometimes you got to go into it and give yourself space for that. And then there's also the, the, the finding what's going to balance it out. Okay, sometimes I need to come out of it, repress that energy. It not, and I don't mean like in a, you know, like, I'm shutting it all down or something, but, but to go to lean into the opposite energy, right. To lean into the Virgo. Okay. What would be a healthy practice I could do right now? That's going to make my body feel good in the moment, or let me go, you know, take a, take a walk in the woods and just ground and connect with nature and balance out some of that water. Right. So I think it's good to, to do a little of both, give yourself Mm -hmm. space for both. Um, does that make sense? Okay. Oh yeah. Especially. I love you, Susan. I love you. So grateful. Yeah, you didn't even hear me apologizing for cutting you off. Um, let me go to Lynn. And Lynn, if you want to, you should be able to unmute and ask your question. And hi, it's good to see you. Hi, um, Emily, thank you so much for presenting in such an understandable way for those of us that aren't studying it on a daily basis. I really appreciate it. I took some great notes and um, I had a question. But I also wanted to say that uh, in my neighborhood lately, we've been getting together whoever wants to at someone's house um, at the new moon and sitting in a circle and setting our intentions individually and globally. And it's really been strengthening. It's a wonderful feeling, you know, and then we meditate for 20 minutes or so. And it's, um, I'm really enjoying that. It, It makes me feel like not alone and that we are indeed able to unite our good energies and you know spread that across the world. Um, but I do have a question about, so at the full moon, what do you recommend as a group that would be helpful to the planet? And then um, actually I have another question. And can you talk a little bit more about the, the um, Venus retrograde in November? Yeah, oh, that, that- that makes my heart so happy to hear about your new moon group. And it also gave me a little pang of sadness since I, I had a, a group like that in New York and now I'm, I've recently moved and I'm missing my group of women and our little new moon community. It's so powerful setting intentions as a group that is just, yeah, and meditating as a group. So, so in terms of the full moon, I mean, something that, that I like to, to um, think about the full moon, it's, there's a real power in terms of what we're sending out into the world. There's at the full moon, there's an energy of amplification. So I think it's also really powerful to meditate as a group to put, okay, what kind of energy do do we want to amplify in the collective? That could be really powerful, the full moon. And I also think the full moon like to come together and celebrate, because I think this is something else that's really missing from our culture. And I think that that's part of the um, more, I don't know, traditional 
like people who were more connected with the earth and with the cycles, the full moon was a time to come together and celebrate, right? And and just to have fun and enjoy. And because that's an amazing energy to put out into the field, right? The energy of celebration and fun and joy. Um, and to say that if there is like that, the, the full moon or really just after the full moon is a great time to release. So if, if a group came together right after the full moon and said, okay, here's what we wanna clear from the collective field or from our personal fields, here's what we, we're, we wanna let go of or banish, release, that could be really powerful too. Um, and it, in terms of the Venus retrograde, I, I have to say, I, I, I have the dates somewhere Vaguely, I think we enter into the influence starting in mid-November and it goes into January. And I'm I'm very un-Virgo in terms of having the, the details on that um, in my mind right now. But Venus only goes retrograde every year and a half. So unlike, say, you know, Mercury goes retrograde three times a year, Mercury's always retrograde. But so because Venus retrograde is so rare, it's more powerful and more noticeable. And Venus retrograde is a lot about um, um, relationship and renegotiating, revisiting, redoing. Um, often people who are partnered up, Venus retrograde can be a very challenging time because old issues will resurface to be worked through and healed. Um, so, and then it, it's not a great time for initiating a brand new relationship or initiating something brand new when it comes to money. Venus also rules finances or creative projects, but it can be great for revisiting or regenerating or resurrecting an old creative project or redoing something financial, you know, re-budgeting, re re, um, reworking your, your systems, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, th this will be a Venus retrograde in Capricorn, and that could be, there's a lot around um, business with that and the, you know, practical, physical world. Um, yeah, those are, those are some initial thoughts. There will be more forthcoming. And thank you yeah. for asking those questions. I just looked up on the Venus and it goes retrograde at 26 degrees on the, the day before the, the solstice on December 20th. I don't know when the shadow period starts. We, we enter the shadow, I think November, I want to say November 17th, we enter the shadow. And then, oh, and that means that the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just, you know, it might be the same thing you were going to say. Venus is going to go retrograde um, almost immediately after she conjoins Pluto. So I think power, right? Power is going to be another theme and power um, and wise use of power and relationship, right? Yeah, and maybe getting to the root of some very deep subconscious blocks to intimacy and love and feeling good and having our needs met. Yeah. And, and so since, it, since Venus doesn't actually turn retrograde until the end of December, then I think we're in the influence, what, in the shadow, probably till February of next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, Susan, oh, I was going to, uh, I'll read the chat in a minute, but I wanted to give Susan L a chance to um, ask her question. Thank you. Sorry about that. I was having some technical difficulties earlier. <laughs> um, 
Emily, I would love if you were at some point so inclined, I would love to have a class on the, the 12 signs as the six polarities and really talking about like, what is the integration point between Aries and Libra and Gemini and Sag and, you know, through those polarities and what does an imbalance dance look like between the two signs? Because I really feel like in this time where we're leaving these extreme polarities, we're looking for balance points. And I feel like a class like that could really help us with um, finding our balance. Oh, I, I freaking love that. I love Yay. that suggestion, Susan. Thank you for that. I want to do that. You know, I have so much to say about the sign polarities and integration. Yeah. Thank Yay. you. Class <laughs> for Thank somebody you. with a lot of Libra in their chart, too. Yeah. So let me just read. Um, okay. I want to read a couple of the comments. Uh, Dawn says, thank you for reminding us of Linda Goodman's sun, sun signs. She remembers doing that, which tells me how long ago I began this intermittent journey. My goal is to become a true elder in the truest sense of that word. Your thoughts are a reminder of how to accomplish that. That's lovely. Um, and Mandy Wynn is asking, um, there's so much out there around ascension and the transition from 3D to 5D. And this is not something I can add anything to, but Emily, maybe if you have anything you want to say about how this shows up in astrology. Well, I think this is very much related to the shift from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. And, you know, another way that I'm thinking about the square between Saturn and Uranus this year is that Saturn and Uranus are the co-rulers of Aquarius. Saturn, the traditional ruler, Uranus, the modern ruler, and that we're in the battle for what is the age of Aquarius going to look like. Um, I'm not a, I'm also not a big like ascension person, but I, I, I have a, an ear, an ear in that direction, you know, certainly heard a lot about it, but I think to, to me, I translate that astrologically as the shift to the age of Aquarius and, um, what I think the there's a big, you know, shadow or unconscious version of the age of Aquarius, or I would say distorted version of the age of Aquarius, which is all about transhumanism and technocracy. And I think this is really where we're in the fight of our lives or the spiritual battle of our lives to, from my perspective, to remain natural humans and to rewild humans and that that Uranus and Taurus energy of going back to the earth and back to the body back to the natural wisdom of the body versus um turning into uh human 2.0 or biobots um be, becoming ai basically or ai taking over the whole culture so you know, my sense in terms of the biggest picture of what's going on is that there is this awakening and that some people might call the ascension or this move into 5D. There is an awakening taking place. There's, there are energies coming in from the cosmos that are waking up our DNA and, and turning us into more advanced humans and more spiritually connected humans and opening us up to the energy of oneness, unity, consciousness, unconditional love. And I think there are other forces that are not so happy about 
that awakening and liberation of humanity, because when consciousness awakens, it needs no controllers, as Barbara Marciniak says. So there are, there are forces, I think, trying to subvert that awakening or that ascension or whatever we want to call it. And that's that's what this time is about. And I think the next couple of years, maybe the next decade is going to be um, huge in terms of it's, it's heating up. Um, in terms of how that's going to play out. And I know people who are, you know, people in the spiritual world who are like, you know, the, the, this is all going to shift or, you know, those of us who are awake are going to, you know, wake up in 5D one morning or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I can see that there's possibly the splitting of the worlds, humanity going in two very different directions. I don't know if that's a literal, you know, splitting where the 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 two different directions are literally invisible to each other or if it's like energetically invisible i don't know what it all looks like but the, those are my thoughts and and that's a great question andy thank you for that yeah that is uh, yeah I, it just seems like a very literal to kind of um expression of saturn which is so it's the last visible planet it's so much about the material world right and our our material selves in some ways and then uranus that first transpersonal the first invisible transpersonal planet and how those two ways of being work together or not as as you just pointed yeah yeah, yeah. um Okay, I think we're winding down. Um, I, I wanted to read Becky's comment, I think was might've been for Susan that she finds that ritual baths for Pisces people can help them feel hard feelings. She lets them go down the drain with the bath water. That's, I love that. Yeah. The, like a ritual cleansing almost, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so to, to wrap up, um, I wanna just say thank you, first of all, for sharing so much wisdom so generously, Emily, it was, this is really, truly a pleasure. Um, and thank you all for joining us because it's been fun to have an audience and have all those great questions. And then I also wanted to see, are there any last announcements that you want to make? Um, and then you, if you have other links that you want me to put in the notes, I can put those in as well. Um, but uh, is there any last things you want to talk about, about what you have coming up or how to connect with you or yeah, I, I'd say the main thing is um, is the the next lunar attunement subscription coming up. Um, I, I also I have a parallel life as a writer and I lead creative writing workshops and I I have two uh, ongoing weekly workshops which um, are filled. But if if anyone's interested in doing virtual creative writing workshops with me and wants to get on the wait list, you could contact me for that. Um, and then I am planning to do a class on the progressed chart, uh, progressions, which is another quote predictive technique for more intermediate or advanced students of astrology. I was originally planning to start that in early October, and now I'm not sure. Retro, retro, retro. I might be starting that later in October or early November, but I'll get that up on my site soon. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's what I got. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. I just I should mention too that I I had planned to start a um, a beginning chart interpretation classes last week and it just didn't happen. So it will happen at some point. I don't know when, and that's the sort of thing that if you know if you're interested or you know 
people who are, you can get in touch with me. Okay, so I will put um, links in the podcast notes. Uh, this will, the audio recording will be up on the podcast, um, hopefully today. And I just got to say again, thank you so much to everybody for joining us. I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs>